Today, I want to talk about how, how God wants to use you and me to glorify himself through a life of good works. There was a story in uh, USA Today. This happened a long, long time ago, but I thought it was kind of fitting. It was actually uh, November 23rd of 19, uh, 1994. A couple named Sandy and Teresa, they boarded a TWA flight in New York, and they're flying to Orlando to uh, visit Disney World. Teresa was all about seven months pregnant. Thirty minutes into the flight, things went bad. Teresa doubled over in, in pain. Flight attendants announced that they, they needed a doctor. They needed uh, someone to take a look at her. There was someone that came forward. An internist had volunteered, and Teresa soon gave birth to a boy, but the baby was in trouble. The umbilical cord was wrapped tightly around his neck. He wasn't breathing. His face was blue. Two paramedics, they rushed forward. And one of them was actually trained in infant respiratory care. He asked if anyone had a straw, and, well, the plane didn't stock straws, but there was a stewardess that remembered she had brought a juice box on and she had a straw and so she brought that straw over and they used that straw to clear that airway of that of that little boy then they needed something to tie off the umbilical cord and someone offered a a shoelace to do that four minutes of terror just passed and the little baby whimpered Soon the crew was able to announce that it was a boy and everyone on board. They just cheered and they clapped. The parents gave the little boy the name Matthew. Matthew means God sent. The people on board the plane were all God sends, the father said. Indeed, God had met the need through people who gave what they had. God usually meets needs through people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your word that, that we can look into it and we can take it and we can learn from it. We can apply it to ourselves so that you are glorified in our lives. You are glorified in our life of good works. Thank you for your faithfulness. We just commit our time here this morning to you that you may be honored through it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love to be encouraged, and I love to encourage others. See if this works for you. You are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. You're his artwork. That excites me. You're like a, just this priceless work of art. I can see you're not quite there yet, but we're going to go through this. Hopefully you'll get there. We think of maybe Michelangelo or da Vinci. Uh, we think of the Grand Canyon. We think of uh, maybe Niagara Falls, those kinds of things when we think of this great creation of God. And of course, they are. You know, in Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We're going to specifically look today mostly at just one verse, and it's uh, verse 10 in chapter 2. And it says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's what the Lord has been showing me here this past week. It is through Him who created us that we can fulfill the purposes for which we are created. It is through Him who created us that we can fulfill the purposes for which we are created. Let's kind of just take this verse apart. It says we're His workmanship. We're God's greatest masterpiece, His artwork. That's what it says. It says we are God's work, workmanship because of what He has done, not because of what we have done. In Psalm 39 we read, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And in Genesis, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them. This is all the work of God. He's created you. Therefore, we have worth. We have dignity. We have value. It's not our circumstances that we base those things on. It's not maybe what a person has said to us or said about us or maybe done to us. It's not about that. It's about God he tells us we are his masterpiece. Who, who are we that we would question that? God's masterpieces are those who have received the gift of God through faith in Jesus Christ and have been created anew through his death and resurrection. And in Ephesians, it talks about that. It says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And in 2 Corinthians it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I found a story that, that kind of gives us kind of an idea what this is all about. There was a young boy named Tom, and he had built this boat it put a lot of effort and work into it. He was really, really happy, just admired this boat that he had. And so he decided to take it down to the river, see if it would float. Had a string tied onto it. He put it out, and oh, it just floated just so gracefully. He was really excited now. And so he's kind of playing with that boat. Current comes along. Yeah, guess what? String breaks. There goes the boat down the river. Little Tom, he just searched and he searched and he searched. Finally, it got dark, couldn't search anymore. He's just heartbroken. A few days later, he's walking down the street and in the storefront window, he sees a boat, looks really like his, so he stops. It was his. And so he runs in and he talks to the store manager and he says to the store manager, he said, that, that's my boat. And the store manager says, sorry, son, someone else brought that in here this morning. If you want that boat, it's going to cost you a dollar. Tom, he runs home, gets us change, and he's counting his change. He's got exactly a dollar. 
runs back and he buys his boat back. As he left the store, Tom hugged that boat and he said, Now you're twice mine. First I made you, now I bought you. That's what Jesus is saying to you here today. Do you believe that you're his workmanship? Do I believe that? Or do I look at those, maybe some flaws? Uh, So some of those things in my life, are those keeping me from maybe doing those good works that God's prepared for me? Or am I, are we, are praying to God to use us in those good works so that he would be glorified? We're his masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has not only prepared us for good works, but he's prepared good works for us. Our good works are marked out and assigned to each one of us. These works are given to us for a purpose. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Prepared us for good works. Prepared good works for us. Marked out and assigned for each one of us. Let me uh, share just a few things that happened just within this last week. Give you an idea of some of these good works. There was a fellow that comes to church here that I know. And he came up to me, last Sunday I was actually, he came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Dan, I'm praying for you. And not only that, he said, Dan, I'm praying that God will glorify you through what you do. I think that's a good work. I was like so super encouraged. There's a story of another uh, fellow that comes here and uh, there was a couple that they were really, really good friends with, did ministry with, and the wife passed away. The husband, of course, just brokenhearted. And this fellow come up to me and he asked me, he said, what could I send my friend to try to encourage him? And we have these grief books at church. There's like four of them. They get sent out over a whole year period just to encourage somebody, help somebody that's going through that process. This is how that fellow that lost his wife, this is how he answered. He said, thank you for the books you're sending. They're very helpful, especially since they are based on Christian grieving. And he said, I've never experienced anything so overwhelming in my life. That little gesture was helping. I think that's some good works. There was a young man that's part of our youth group. We were talking just the other day, and we were talking about this subject. He said, and he told me a story. He was at, at Walmart, and, and he said, God just kind of laid this on him. There was a woman that he saw, uh, this older woman, and, and, and he, God said, tell her that she's beautiful and that Jesus loves her. And he thought to himself, oh, I hope that's coming from God, because if not, it's going to be really creepy. 
Those were his words. But anyway, he just said, I think it's from God. So he goes up to this lady and he tells this lady, you're beautiful and Jesus loves you. And the lady just started to cry. It's exactly what she needed that day. And God asked this young man to do that. That's a good work. One last one. There was a woman that I met recently and uh, she, she had lost her husband and a woman reached out to her from her church, called her that day that the husband died and, and said to her, I'm going to call you each and every day to encourage you, to pray with you. And she's done that for the last five years. I think that's a good work also. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Don't miss that part where it says in Christ Jesus. Remember Romans 8.1? And it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have freedom because of His grace to do good works. Whose works? God's works. They're not ours. And then he tells us that these works are prepared in advance, so we, we should walk in them. He says, God has prepared long beforehand the kind of life He wants us to live. It's a life that brings Him glory. Colossians 4, we read about that. It says, whatever we do, that we should do that in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. In Psalm 139, all the days that are ordained for you and I are written in your book before one of them came to be. Good works should, should and can include anything, whether we're at work, in the classroom, on the soccer field, on the golf course, in your neighborhood, community associations could go on and on and on. You can probably think of some on your own right now. If you're a boss, it could be the way you, you handle your employees. If you're a parent, those good works could mean making dinner for your child or children, but then praying for them as you tuck them into bed. Our whole life should really be an offering of good works to God. We weren't created just to be this piece of art to look at. We're created to do things, and those are those things that God has planned for us. Sometimes I, I just wonder in my own busyness, in my own selfishness, in my own sinfulness, how much of this do I miss? But I still take comfort in the sovereignty of God. He's still going to get everything done that He wants to get done, but I'm going to miss out on the blessing. I don't know if many of you read the book, uh, The Prayer of Jabez, uh, was out quite a few years ago. You might remember this story. It was about a man that went to heaven and St. Peter was welcoming him in. Why is it always St. Peter that, I don't, anyway. And so St. Peter is, is there, and as the guy enters the gates, he sees this huge building in the background. And the, and the guy says to St. Peter, what, what's that building? And Peter, St. Peter said, no, 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 you don't want to know about that. Oh, yeah, I do, really. I've never seen anything like that. So he finally talks Peter into 
taking him to the building. So they walk back to this building. It's, it's just gigantic. It's the biggest thing he's ever seen. And so they're right at the door of it, and it's locked. And, and the guy says, well, I, I want to see what's inside. And, and Peter said, no, for sure, you do not want to see what's inside. And so, again, he talks Peter into it. They open the door, and they walk in, and all there is is these racks you just that you just go on forever and ever and ever. And on these racks, these little white boxes, and they have this red bow on them, just millions and millions of them. And he asked, well, what is that? And, and Peter said, well, everybody that's coming to heaven has one of those white boxes. He said, you mean I have one of those white boxes? He, Absolutely. And, and he said, well, I want to see it. And Peter said, no, you don't want to. Yeah, so again, talks Peter into it. They go down, they find that box, they bring it down. And the guy says, open it. No, he said, really? So again, they talked and argued. Finally, they opened the box. And what was in that box were all the blessings that that person had missed in their life on earth here. That's what happens, I think, when we miss these good works. We miss that blessing. We don't do them for the blessing, but we miss that blessing. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples. He said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Very truly, I tell you, when Jesus says that, he's saying, Pay attention. He's talking, talking to us. He wants us to really pay attention. He's using his authority. It's kind of like you tell a teen that they can't do something, and they say, well, who says? And you say, I said. That's what Jesus, that's what he's doing here, okay? So Jesus is saying that we should do the works he did, and that we'll even do greater works he didn't say we were going to do the miracles. He's talking about the works here. We're to do greater works than he. That greater work being salvation. Seeing people go from spiritual death to spiritual life, that's that rescue corner. The work of Jesus is to see sinners saved, and, and we can do that right here. That team that you just saw up here that's going to Africa Wow, they get to go to Africa and do that. We can do that anywhere. Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. One last thing here I want to just take a look at that God says, that we should walk in these good works. It should be a way of life. We don't have to figure out what these good works are. It's a lifestyle. And God uses us to accomplish His own good works. In Romans, it talks about, it says, so we too may walk in the newness of life because of our being buried with Him through baptism into death. So what's this lifestyle? What are we talking about here? Paul gives us the answer. It's in the same book. It's in chapter 4. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worth calling, that a life worth of the, worthy of the calling Sorry, that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace, I think we kind of moved into this love corner here. So what should our love look like? A new command I give you, he says. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Anyone you know that's hurting, brokenhearted, maybe discouraged in despair, anyone you know that needs to hear the truth about God or maybe the truth about themselves, anyone you know that's been victimized, maybe just kind of put down, take your pen if you have one and write that on your sheet. Because I can only believe that God put a name on your heart. And if he didn't do it just right now, he's been doing it over the last probably maybe a few days. Don't lose that name. God wants you to do something here. These are people that need our love, whether it's a, a phone call, an email, a card, an act of service, sharing the good news, some of those other things we talked about. Only you know because God prepared that in advance for you. He didn't tell me about that friend that he wants you to talk to. There was a pastor and a young boy that were in the same neighborhood. pastor was just kind of taking a walk, and this young boy the pastor could see was at this, at this door, and he's trying to ring the doorbell, but it was about that much too high, even when he jumped. And he, and he couldn't seem to get to the doorbell. So the pastor walks up and the, and the pastor said, well, what are you doing? He says, well, I want to ring the doorbell. He said, I, got to, I want to ring the doorbell twice. And the pastor said, well, I can, I can do that for you. So the pastor rings the doorbell twice and says to the boy, he says, well, what now? And the boy says, now we run. <laughs> what now in our lives? What's next? God's pleased when we respond. He tells us that in the book of Galatians and in the book of Hebrews. How as we carry each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. And he's not unjust. He's not going to forget our works. That's what it says in Hebrews. As, as we help his people and continue to help them. I heard a story last week, and it kind of talks about what we've been talking about here. And I'm going to have... A fellow come now. This is the man that was in the midst of this story. And I want him to share with us now and just see if this doesn't uh, fit really well. Will you welcome Stan Cedarly? This account may sound a little bit involved, but it goes directly with what Stan's been preaching about in, in Ephesians 2.10. And it's a wonderful example of God's timing. Last Sunday evening, about 6.30, I received a phone call at home from the wife of one of our Model Railroad Club members, and she said, could you come over to our house? My husband is contemplating killing himself. Oh, boy. I said, yeah, um, I could probably do that. So because of the sensitive nature of this particular subject, I'm going to refer to this young man as my friend. This wasn't the first time that I had been called about this situation. About a month and a half ago, 
I was called by her again to come to YRMC East, the ER, to see my friend, and he was in pretty bad shape at that time. On my way to the uh, hospital, I called Dan to get some advice from him as to what words I should uh, say, what scripture I might uh, minister to them. He gave me some very, very good advice and some good scriptures. As I walked into the ER, uh, I was able to minister those words briefly because at that time, the social worker came in and uh, the hustle and bustle, I was, we were moved out of the room. He was taken by ambulance down to the Aurora Behavioral Center in Phoenix and his wife and family were sitting there not knowing what to do. They don't drive the freeways, and so it was difficult to probably try to find out what they wanted to do. They wanted to go to him. They wanted to go with him. So after a period of about an hour or so, they got their things together. We picked them up, took them down to Phoenix. They were able to see him in the room for just a few minutes, took them over to a hotel, put him in a hotel for the four nights that he was going to be there. Now, making a long story short, four days later he was released. They had stabilized his meds. He was a much different person when he walked out of that hospital. He was um, just smiling, and uh, on our way back up to Prescott, he said, let's stop at Culver's in Deer Valley for lunch. So I knew he was feeling much better. Now, back back to last Sunday night. This time I wasn't going to the ER where there were professionals to help. I was on my own. Honestly, it was just me. Although I know it wasn't that way, or it wasn't that way, but that's the way I felt. I tried to find the little booklet that Dan always has, the little booklet, How to Find Steps with Peace with God, and I couldn't find any because I had packed them all in my suitcase for the trip to Zambia. So finally, after turning my office upside down, I found one copy. And I was still in a stew, trying to leave, trying to get to leave the house. And my wife looked at me and she said, why don't we pray? I said, that's a very good idea. Well, about a week before that, she had spent some time with this family. And she had shared her faith with them. And I, she said, why don't you share your faith with them as well? I have been doing that for a number of years, trying to build a relationship and to introduce them to Christ as their personal Savior. Well, his wife had accepted that, and she became she had become a Christian, so she knew the power of God and the power of prayer. Anyway, during the 15-minute drive to his house, I was in constant prayer, and I prayed, Lord, go before me. Use me in a way to glorify you. Just lead me. I really don't know what to do. As I stopped at the front of the house, walked in, And I found my friend and his wife sitting on the couch, and he was a mess. He was trembling, his nose was running, he was crying, and it was not a real pleasant situation because he was in pretty bad shape. So I sat in front of him, and I gave him a couple of tissues, and he took care of the necessary things he needed to and was still trembling very badly. The Holy Spirit said, pray for him to calm him down. So I laid my hands on his as he had his hands on his knees. And as I prayed, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would enter him to give him peace. 
and all the struggles and stuff is right now that's going on inside, Lord, just remove that from him. As I prayed and said amen, the trembling stopped. He took a big sigh and leaned back in the cushions of the couch and was at peace for that time. I said, what's going on? I asked him, what's going on? And he said, well, things are falling apart. He says, my daughter wrecked her car. My mom's got to have surgery. She's got kidney problems and hasn't got any money. Um, All kinds of things. He'd lost two friends to death, and it affected him extremely uh, much. Just an extreme amount of struggle going through him. And I said... At that time, excuse me, at that time, his wife interjected, and this, this was just God working so greatly. She said, I just want to let you know, she's speaking right directly to him, how much we love you and how much our family loves you, but also how much God loves you. So I said, using this as a prompt, I looked at him, and I put my hand on his again, and I said, you know, my friend, God loves you so much. You've heard these words before, but God loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you on that cross just so that you can have peace and a relationship with him. I then went on and said, you went to Mass in your earlier years. You heard the gospel. You heard the gospel read. You heard the testimony of faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. How many times during that Mass did you hear, the peace of the Lord be with you always? Maybe it didn't, you didn't relate to those words at that particular time, but God knew that he would remind you of those very words someday, and this is that very day. He looked up at me and said, sadly, that was a long time ago, and I've been away too long. And again... Taking his hand, I said, my friend, Scripture has the answer to every situation we have in our lives. Do you remember during the times that the gospel was read, the story of the prodigal son? And he nodded. And I said, that prodigal son took off. He was, he was one of his father's sons, but he took off. He went in and did everything by himself. And one day he came to the senses that he said, my father's servants are better off than I am. So he decided to go back. And his father loved him so much that he saw him the far off, ran to meet him, hugged him, put put his cloak around him, and ordered a, a, a party because his son had turned back. And I said, my friend, would you like to have that same forgiveness and receive God's love just as the prodigal son did? He didn't say anything at that time, but I took my little booklet that I found, and it's got a prayer in the back of it. And I said to him, I said, this prayer is a prayer of giving yourself to the Lord and let him do what you want to. 
Would you just read that silently and see if that's what you'd like to do? So he took it, and he read it to himself. And when he was finished, he looked up, and I said, My friend, would you like to pray that out loud? And he said, Yes. So I said, Wonderful. Why don't you pray that? And he did. So what he prayed, and he prayed out loud so that I could hear him, his wife and family could hear him, and most of all, God could hear him. He said, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I took the booklet from him, and I signed, took a pen out, and I took him, signed where it says date, and then I took, gave him the pen and the booklet and said, my friend, sign that, would you? And he said, yes. He signed it. It's in his possession today, and after a whole lot of tears and hugs, the angels are rejoicing. Thank you, Stan. What a great story. Praise God for, for the, the new life there. Stan did just such a great job of explaining what the good news is. Uh, it, it's not about works. We've been talking about works all morning, and it isn't about that. It, it says actually right before Ephesians 2.10, it says, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from ourselves. It's a gift. Of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So salvation, it's not from works, but it certainly is for works. John Stott put it this way good works are indispensable to salvation, not as its grounds or means, but as its consequences and evidence. It's it's not we don't do good works as a basis for our salvation but they should be coming out of us. We should be doing, it should be an evidence of that. If you think you need some help maybe on how to share the good news or maybe on uh, uh, how to really listen to someone, figure out why they're really hurting, there's going to be a a course that's going to start. It's only a six-session course. starts on July 19th. You'll find probably that in your bulletin. There's a sign-up sheet out front. It'll help you develop a heart of compassion. It'll uh, help you learn to listen more than talk and to really identify the root of a problem when you're, when you're really talking, talking with, with someone. I just want to close with a story that uh, Pastor David Jeremiah shared on his blog here recently. If you pick up a five-pound British note, you may see the image of one of England's great heroes, Elizabeth Fry, a Christian reformer whose lifelong efforts on behalf of prisoners changed the laws of the land and the tone of prison ministry. Her heart went out to those behind bars, and she fought to give them humane treatment and dignity. And for this, she's remembered today with her image on British currency. When Elizabeth was dying at the age of 65, she revealed the secret of her lifetime of service. Speaking to one near her bed, she said, My dear Rachel, I can say one thing. Since my heart was touched at 17 years old, I believe I have never awakened from sleep 
in sickness or in health, by day or by night, without my first waking thought being how best I might serve the Lord. Is that our waking thought? I'm going to have a prayer team up here at the end of this service. If you heard something through Stan's story, if you don't really know who Jesus is, if you're really questioning that, there'll be prayer helpers up here. I'd love to meet with you, talk with you, pray with you, encourage you. Uh, so feel, feel free to, to do that. Maybe you're just sitting here today and you're just really, really hurting. Maybe there's somebody sitting right next to you and they're picking up on that. You might not even know that person. If that's going on here today, don't miss that good work. God might be giving you something right here and right now. Let me pray for us as we end. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for those works that you've given us. Help us, Lord, not to miss them. Help us, Lord, to glorify you through them. Thank you that you would use us. And God, may we go away from this place here today knowing that we are your workmanship, that we are your piece of art, your masterpiece. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.